Hi, good morning, and welcome, everyone. This is Seek Sustainable Japan and a sub series that we try to do once a month called Sustainable Short Takes. So, we're looking at sustainable issues and trends in Japan and talking about things that have been on our radar. I'm JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima, Japan, and Hi, I'm Tova Kinooka, and I'm in Yokohama, just outside Tokyo. Now we have so many great things to talk about today. Should we just dive right in, Tova? Let's do it. Let's do it. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about.、Mm. Uh, let's talk about first about your sustainability leadership lab. Can you tell us about that? Yes,、yeah, so we're very excited about this because it's our first ever B2C offering. So it's, it's an open program, six months.、Um, anybody can join、um, as long as you're somebody working in a sustainability role、um, in an organization. So it, it's a little bit different. There are a lot of great sustainability programs out there that look at the processes, at the you know, sort of building knowledge and understanding, which is really, really important. The idea with this is. It's to look at、um, the people side of sustainability transformation, which is often one of the, the, the biggest challenges, right? Companies spend a lot of time on their、um, strategy, getting the processes right, and then they're like, right, let's go. But things just don't move because people outside the sustainability team don't know what this means for them, how to move it into daily practice in their, their own function or role. So, the idea of this is we help the sustainability team, the, the people from there, actually understand okay, how do we work with different stakeholders in our organization to, to overcome these blockers so that we can embed it. Um, throughout the organization and really get things shifting. So, we've got really cool lineup of speakers、um, from companies like IKEA and Lixil. We've got people based in the UK and Korea as speakers as well. So, we're really looking forward to, to getting this、um, up and off the ground. Yeah, awesome.、Um, it looks like we're having trouble with the chat. I was trying to share the link、uh, for what we're looking at. Um, but、uh, I will share the links below, so、yes. not to worry, we can share that later. Yeah.、Uh, and then you, were, you are doing, coming up this month,、uh, training、uh, for young people. And I just did it last week as well. So maybe I'll start and then you can follow. Yeah, fantastic. Okay? Yeah, okay.、Um, so I was working with Hiroshima Tourism Association, and we had the chance to work with junior high school and high school students in Hiroshima. And they came from all over, and I taught them a little bit about like, the foundations of doing online、uh, guiding tours because、um, this really is the future of the、mm. industry. We don't know what's coming after COVID. We don't know. Uh, what natural disasters might be happening, or、uh, war, or political unrest.、Yeah. Uh, also, there's people who can't travel because of disabilities. So, we are seeing such a big trend in online guiding and online、yes. tours. And so, this was a great chance to meet up with these young people. And give them kind of a foundation of the kinds of things that I've been doing that visitors find really interesting. And then they take that foundation, those stories, those、uh, like very key narratives.、Mm -hmm. And then as we're walking around doing the guided tour, I, I try to challenge them to add their own insights and their、That's、own、great. stories、mm -hmm. and stuff. And so it was so. Wonderful and rewarding. It's been years since I've worked with junior high school and high school students.、Uh, 
Um, they were all just so fantastic. And I really have such a great positive feeling about the future. Not yeah. only not only of tourism, but of entrepreneurship, of yeah. young people who are interested in international relations, international communication. You know, yeah. so that was great. Fantastic, and I think that it's really wonderful that you're you're you know introducing this concept to a new generation as well. So it's not just you know the the older people, maybe our generation, who are interested in traveling and learning about the world, right? So if you can get them connecting with other people in their generation in other countries who are interested to learn um, more about, you know, Hiroshima or different regions, then, you know, that's really fantastic to, to build those connections across cultures. Um, and like you say, give them an opportunity to maybe reach out and connect with people they wouldn't otherwise do. So uh, fantastic. Great work. Yeah. And then at the end of the first day, it was really fun because uh, they're doing a virtual tour, right? They're mm -hmm. they're connecting with people through the Visit Hiroshima Facebook page. Yeah. Um, but they had some people real time watching what they're doing and and following them around and then introducing themselves at the end. These two oh, wow. guys were from Brazil and shaking their hands and saying, you guys did a good job and keep it up, you know? So they had that online validation yeah. but also the in-person one as well that's wonderful that's wonderful it must have been a great experience for them oh i hope so it looked like they all all the students mm. really got a lot out of it um now yeah. the one that you're doing in march can you tell us about that yep so this is a, a sort of leadership um camp based on uh sustainability and um by Atlantic Pacific, as you can see, that's actually a UK-based MPO, and um, they provide something called a lifeboat in a box. And they are working with um, Kamaishi, little town in Iwate Prefecture, um, that was absolutely devastated by the tsunami back in 2011. Um, and the idea is that you know the lifeboat in a box provides all the equipment and the training necessary for the locals to, to run themselves so that if there is a, a disaster like that, again, there are people with the training and the equipment necessary to go and rescue and help. But they also run these amazing camps. So this is for, um, I think it's sort of junior high up to university student age. Um, they've got a couple of different age groups there. Um, and as you can see, there are different sort of elements to it, looking at ocean plastic and, and, you know, how that could be repurposed, reused, recycled. So they've got design thinking workshops, they've got water safety um, workshops. And then I'm going to be looking at sort of ethical leadership and, and how you bring sustainability into leadership. Um, so really, really looking forward to that program. So it's up in um, Kameishi itself. For, uh, I think it's three days in total. Um, so, yeah, I'll be able to tell you more about that next month after we've actually been there. But um, it, it's really wonderful to see it happening again after COVID because, of course, uh, that put a stop to things for a little while. Yeah, that looks fantastic. And uh, there's about sustainable seafood and yep. ocean plastics. There's lots of sustainability and SDGs led training, as well as just a way to build confidence yep. and uh, leadership amongst uh, the, our future leaders, right? Yes. And again, it's that mix of kind of um, local and uh, international participants as well. And they're working with, um, as well as the, you know, people like me coming in from outside, they're also working with the local communities and the fishermen and stuff there um, to understand their challenges related to sustainability and keeping the industry going and, and you know, adapting it to future needs and so on. So it, it should provide so many different insights and learnings for them. And also a really nice thing for the community to have going on as well. 
Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about hotels. Um, because you were mentioning about preparedness, right, for yes. emergency disasters. Now, uh, when I went up to Fukushima recently, I stayed at a hotel in Tokyo, the Mitsui Gardens, and I was really impressed on many levels. But in terms of disaster preparedness, they do this interesting thing where they have a badge that you can put on the door uh, in the case of an emergency to say, I'm safe, I'm okay, you don't need to check on us. Hmm. And um, they had other great initiatives. But this was something unique that I haven't seen yet. Hmm. And it's something that I've been talking in my sustainable tourism classes with my uh, online students is how do we prepare visitors to hmm. handle emergencies. That's How so do we true. get that information to them? They're in a new country. They're not familiar with the local yeah. standards, right? Hmm. And so this was nice to see this example. That's really great. And actually that kind of, I saw uh, somebody, well, a lot of people, because it's, you know, the, recently been the the anniversary of the, the triple disaster in Tohoku, the, um, a lot of people have been posting their memories and stories of that time. And one guy, um, an American guy, actually, who has lived here for a long time, so he was able to communicate when it happened and, and sort of understand what he needed to do. But he described his experience of kind of getting had to get off the train when it stopped and, you know, all the announcements in Japanese, nobody knew what was going on. And this um, sort of couple coming up to him who were just visiting Japan saying, what's going on we can't understand anything we don't know what to do um so it yeah it's really good to see that you know some hotels are taking that initiative to to think about that right because if you want to attract lots of people from outside the country to come here who don't have any experience of this can't necessarily speak the language then you know we, we do need to think about their needs as well Absolutely. And if we're talking about inviting more and more now that the borders are open, yeah. uh, this is the responsible thing to do. Definitely any hotel mm. should be thinking about it. Um, and then for yourself as a resident, emergency preparedness was another thing I was thinking about in Fukushima. Mm. Um, anywhere you visit where they've overcome horrible disasters like this. And one of the museums in Tomioka, an area where people had to leave their houses really mm. fast and couldn't go back for ages because yeah. of radiation problems, um, they had a sample of things that they recommended everybody in Tomioka keep in their house hmm. for future emergency. And so I did a short video of this on yeah. my YouTube and I was like, how many of these things do you guys have, you know, mm. and how prepared are you for an emergency? And loads of people said they have that bag, which they yeah. keep emergency supplies, um, mm -hmm. dried food, water, that kind of stuff yeah. in one section of their house. And I was like, I don't do that. I need to do yeah. that, right? Like, we, so <laughs> we, we have it, but we just realized the other day that it, we, we just replaced the food. Usually we use the anniversary of the disaster to, as a kind of a reminder that we need to to check the bag and replace the food that's in there. Um, but also the uh, the clothes, because the kids are growing. You know, my, my son, the stuff that's in there now, he, he's seven and I think... That the clothes that are in there now wouldn't fit him at all. So you, you kind of do need to think about this as well. Yeah. From the, oh, know, I didn't even think about clothes. That's yeah. such a good idea. Clothes and shoes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was another thing in Tomioka. A lot of people left in their house slippers. They didn't yeah. even have one pair of shoes, right? Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. hard to think. The most important is saving yourself, right? Yes. Getting yourself Absolutely. out of danger. Yeah. Um, but if you have something prepared and ready, that's certainly mm. very yeah. helpful.
Yeah. Um, now, another thing at uh, Mitsui Gardens, which I was very impressed about, was about the water. Uh-huh. Now, one of the few places I have seen in Japan that have the can water yep. from Kirin. Thank you, Kirin. Thank you, Mitsui <laughs> Gardens, because this is not the norm in Japan. No. And you had another great example at the Hilton about water. Yes. Yeah, so we were at um, Hilton Tokyo Bay uh, last week, and they have completely done away with all the pet bottles, no glass bottles or anything. Um, in every room now, they have these um, kind of insulated uh, water jugs, um, and every floor has its refill station, and they, they've got this little sign in the room there that you can see that shows you where you can go and refill. And they said they've had a really good response from um, you know from their guests, no, no pushback or anything they had to educate so they as soon as you walk into the hotel through the at the main entrance there they've got a big screen with a video explaining you know how this works why they're doing it they've got um you know a big sort of poster there about um water and and conservation and so on so people see it as they walk in so it's not a, a shock when they get to the room and go well where's my bottle of water um but the manager was telling us that they've saved uh in, in one year, they've saved over 200,000 pet bottles of water, which is phenomenal. Um, and he said that, that sort of um, money cost as well, a saving of about 6 million yen for them. I mean, obviously, there was some initial investment in the, you know, the, the water coolers and the, um, the jugs and so on. But, you know, over time that he said it just it made perfect business sense as well. So it's really good to see that there are places beginning to think about this now. And I think that's an excellent example of how it can be done. Absolutely. And something I always ask about when I check into a hotel, uh, is there somewhere I can refill my water bottle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and so when I did that at Mitsui, he's like, yeah, we have cans of water in the fridge. You can refill there. How's that? And I was like, yes, thank you. I almost <laughs> cried, you know, because I've been told so many times, oh, just fill up yeah. in the toilet sink. And yeah, like, that's just not what I want to hear. You know, I want to hear. <laughs> I, I'm happy to do that and, level, and take the thing. But... <laughs> <laughs> now you had another great initiative at the Hilton about food waste. Can yeah. you tell us about that? Yeah. So the the manager there, Marcus Koch, is really passionate, actually, about sustainability. And at the uh, beginning of COVID, they'd been talking as a group at Hilton about um, food waste and how could they cut that. Um, And so they've installed this Winnow um, system, which is a UK based company that uses AI. And you can see there the the sort of the waste bin and above it, the the screen. So the the bin itself is sat on a kind of a pad that weighs it. um, And there's a camera on that sort of box you can see on the wall there. So in the first week that they're using it, they have to kind of train it. So they'll put something in, say, you know, after they're clearing away the breakfast buffet, for example, they'll put in a bread roll and the camera looks at it and they say bread roll. So they put that in and it learns that's what that is and banana and so on. Um, And then after they've done that with the items that they're using, um, then it once it recognizes them, it can measure exactly how much of each of those items is going in. Um, And very, very accurately, um, you know, it's over, 
think sort of over 90% accuracy on, on what it recognizes and the weight that it's um, looking at. And then of course they, they worked with the whole, um, the kitchen staff as well with the chefs to think about when they're planning the menus, um, you know, what are they using? How much do they need of this really? Um, and they really thought about the flow of people through the, the restaurants at sort of different times of the day and how much needs to be prepared and go out to, they really, really looked at it holistically, not just mm. sort of what goes into the, the waste there. But they found, I mean, the, the article there, we know, um, that was not long after they installed it. And that was sort of 30% reduction. When we were there last week, he said they're up to 80% reduction on food loss, which is, you know, phenomenal. And he said a lot of um, uh, sort of hotels and other uh, restaurants and stuff, when he's spoken to them about it, they said, oh, yes, but it costs money at sort of, you know, $500 a, a month or whatever for this system. Um, and he said, yes, but we've, we've, you know, recouped more than that in, you know, the, the waste reduction. Um, you know, the savings from that are enormous. So, again, it just makes good business sense. And it's a really brilliant way to reduce your environment, um, environmental impact and the, the food waste. Absolutely. So it's great branding. And, yeah. and it saves you money. And uh, like the chef who is in the video, he was talking about it just it feels like the right thing to do. Yeah. Like we were having so much waste. Now we're yeah. documenting how much waste we're weighing it. So then we're discussing yeah. it. We're talking about how much we're ordering. Like exactly. let's improve, improve the whole efficiency of the operations. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it really, it, it's a whole shift in mindset, right? Because they're not just going, okay, that's not being used, gomp. They don't think about how much is wasting. There's no visibility on that. And so no kind of maybe emotional connection to it. And I think, you know, as you were saying, you, you really think about it when you're putting something into the waste bin now and it's telling you you're throwing away this and you're like, oh, okay, that's more than yesterday or something. You're, you're really going to think very hard about actually you know, what could we do differently with this? Could we reuse this in a different dish? Does it need to be thrown away? Or, um, you know, so I, I think it's a big shift in attitude, yeah. which changes behaviors. And then also if they could find a farmer or a compost company to work with and have all that food waste reused into yeah. very high quality dirt, there's yeah. another like you could have zero waste because we're reusing any of our scraps, right? Yeah. That, that would be an added value. Exactly. That would be the next step. That would be fantastic. Yeah, wonderful. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to a, a really great company. Ooh. I think I've mentioned them before, Spingle Move. Uh, mm -hmm. They're a made in Hiroshima shoe brand. And they just now, their new season launch is upcycled denim shoes. And Spingle has some great initiatives already because they're made in Japan. They're made in Hiroshima. We don't have to worry about uh, labor standards, mm. the quality of life for workers, right? We've already got that covered by mm -hmm. being made in Japan, made in Hiroshima. Yep. Now they're upcycling waste material from the denim industry, which is in Hiroshima, in Okayama. Fantastic. And then Spingle has a great initiative. If you want to repair your shoes... You send it back, they'll fix it. You can have shoes for life. Isn't That's that an brilliant. awesome that initiative, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was really happy to to see that. Uh, if you're on their newsletter, you get these early pre-release 
order opportunities. Plus they have larger sizes. So I always have big feet, really big problem buying shoes in Japan. No problem with Spingle, very comfortable <laughs> shoes. Um, and by the way, Toga and I, we don't get paid for all these recommendations. <laughs> like we just love, we're big fans of all yeah. these great initiatives. Absolutely. Right? And I think good news should be shared, right? Because if it can encourage others to, to then make changes to the way they're making things or providing services, then, you know, that that's helping all of us. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Another uh, great company I came across recently, I interviewed Kina Jackson this month, and uh, she's an amazing entrepreneur uh, involved in a variety of projects uh, in Osaka, as well as a translator interpreter and helping with, uh, you know, you introduced her. So I, I've I don't know her um, directly, but uh, we have... Um, From DCCJ, right? Yeah. yeah. So, really... so she was talking about yeah. diversity and inclusion and yeah. mental health uh, mm. in a BCCJ. So then I interviewed her because of you. Thanks so much. <laughs> and welcome. then she was doing this great uh, initiative, this new startup called Vegan Osaka. And they're doing handmade... Uh, plant-based comfort foods, pizzas, a lot of alternative meats. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just got my first order, did a short video on my YouTube channel, yeah. uh, unboxing all the goodies. And then I had to tell people as well, don't worry, I do eat healthy. This is just sometimes, right? <laughs> um, but it's, it's just great to have yeah. these options, really yes. tasty, very satisfying, mm -hmm. When you just feel like something quick and satisfying, right? Yep. So it's it's yep. so nice to have an online shop now. Yep, I will go and look for that. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. All right, uh, let's keep moving. We've got a lot more. Uh, yeah. what, what should we talk about next? Let me see. Uh, I mentioned that I was in Fukushima. Yeah. And I was so impressed by all the um, innovation and community and entrepreneurship there, mm -hmm. especially in this one area. Um, it's in Minamisoma, so it's really near Odaka Station. And there's a lot of people who stayed there who run a ryokan, uh, Futabaya ryokan, and that was a really like important community meeting space. They were doing radiation monitoring there from mm. the beginning. I've published an article on, on Medium about my experience. I'll do a video soon on my YouTube channel about some of the places that we went to and all the inspiration that we had. Just so many uh, great insights there. Um, but I was really impressed by uh, this area called Pioneer Village as well, which was in Odaka. Mm. And it was started by an entrepreneur named Wada. And uh, he has strong ties to the area. And he has a plan to start a hundred new entrepreneur businesses in the wow. area to help revitalize and reinvigorate that mm -hmm. area. And uh, he's got 25 so far. And uh, we visited one of them and it was a sake brewery who uh, run by a young guy in a remodeled old, beautiful Japanese house. And he's combining hops and sake. So hmm. it's much lighter. It's almost like a craft beer sake taste. Ooh. And that was really fun. Um, at the Pioneer Village itself, they mm -hmm. had a glass making workshop. Uh, they talked about all the different initiatives that they're helping get started. And it really struck me because I've been to rural areas all over Japan, you know, mm. but this area, there's so much focus on supporting people who want to start something new, yeah. 
that this would be such a good chance for someone who's thinking about starting a new business to mm -hmm. go meet these people and have that opportunity to be a big fish in a little pond. And then there's so much international attention on mm -hmm. anybody who's starting something new in Fukushima as they're yeah. rebuilding. Mm -hmm. There's so many empty lots everywhere because a lot of the earthquake damage things were destroyed. Yeah. So when you do build something new, it's noticed, it's appreciated mm -hmm. so much. And then you have all these amazing people who are doing great things there and they can connect you to the right people. Yeah. Um, so that was really exciting to see. That's really positive to hear. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, now uh, let's talk. We talked about your consulting. We talked about the Hilton. So maybe Lixil, um, yes. thinking of sort of interesting um, new thinking. So we met um, a friend of ours from Lixil a couple of days ago, um, and he was telling us about this um, new product that they're launching, which is kind of, as you can see, it, it's a material, um, but it uses plastic waste and waste wood. And he said they can use basically any plastic waste, ocean plastic, crisp packets, the kind of stuff that normally can't be recycled. Um, or when buildings are pulled down and you've got mixed materials, that, again, that are really hard to, to separate and reuse, and they're usually just landfill, they can use that kind of material for this. And the idea is that it's a replacement for concrete. So at the moment, um, the, the first product they've got out there are the, the paving tiles. Um, and uh, they're, they're planning to introduce others as well. It's just been launched in January this year. Um, but the idea is that, you know, if we can get away from, you know, using concrete, obviously that's a really good um, uh, sort of move we can make. But also it, it's a way of reusing waste um in a way that makes it useful again and he was saying also because of the sort of the the plastic element in it so if a part of it is cracked normally with with concrete paving stones if part of it's cracked the whole thing has to be replaced the whole stone um but with these you can actually just sort of uh use heat um to to remold and melt it and reseal um so it's sort of got a lot of durability um benefits as well so i'm really excited to see you know what is going on in the the construction industry because that's somewhere where there's a lot of waste there's a lot of scope um for improvement he was also talking about um a lot of the work lixel is doing um because they they create things like you know bathroom units toilets windows doors um all these kind of materials and they provide those to a lot of um, construction companies and house builders. Um, so they're really working with them now to try and um, encourage them to use more insulation, to encourage them to use, you know, more efficient windows so that we've got energy efficiency in buildings, which at the moment here generally is uh, pretty low. So therefore the, the heating costs in the winter, the cooling costs in the summer are much, much higher than they need to be. And of course, producing a lot more, um, you know, uh, pollution than we need to have. So if buildings could be a lot more efficient, so he's trying to encourage them when they're, when they're talking to customers about, say, replacing windows and things rather than just going with the same, you know, a new version of what they had before, actually thinking about if what are the, all the benefits of um, pr uh, using sort of windows that are much more energy efficient that are actually going to keep your house, you know, much cooler or warmer, um, depending on the season. So it's really encouraging to hear that, you know, that the makers are really working with their suppliers who are then working with their, their customers as well to, to change the industry 
Yeah, that's so important. Like we need to make sure it doesn't give them the thinking that they can just keep making plastic because they're reusing some of it, right? So there's that that danger. But when you have companies that are looking at all the waste and they know about the waste problem, Mm -hmm. even if they stop making new plastic right now, we still have a big waste issue to deal with. Um, so as long as they're working on both sides of the problem, yep. that's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, we, we have some of these upcycled plastic and wood mixed uh, on our decking. Okay. We, we had all wood decking and it mm-hmm. rotted away within mm-hmm. five years. And we're like, oh, it's a bit expensive every five years. Yeah. So <laughs> going back to nature, but it's a bit going back to nature too fast, you know? Yep. <laughs> Um, so we were happy to make use of this uh, mm. upcycled plastic and, and some people don't like it. But if you think about, like you said, it can mm. be remolded, it can be reused over and over again. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a really good solution for right. things you want to use for a long time, right? Exactly. Exactly. It, you know, the lifespan is very, very different to say it, we've had the experience as well with the wood decking not lasting very long. And also, where is that wood come from if they're using new wood? Um, for that and it's contributing to to deforestation um, or worse coming in from abroad with more of a carbon footprint then you know that's a big factor as well so if we've got locally available materials um, that would otherwise be waste I think that's a a good option. Yeah now you had an interesting book we've got just a few minutes left do you want to introduce that? Yep. So the book we're looking at is Invisible Women, uh, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. So I just started reading this yesterday as a recommendation from my friend Heather. Um, And even just a few pages in, I would say everybody needs to read this book. It's incredible. I mean, obviously, we've just had uh, International Women's Day and, and we're in that month still. Um, and But this is something we should be thinking about all the time. But it's really, really enlightening just to look at all the ways that throughout the recorded history of humankind, um, everything has been seen from the male perspective and everything. And she talks about the the silences, the gaps in data that, um, you know, we just don't have data for women and it's very, very different. And it affects things like the way products are designed, right? So, you know, the the size of your phone screen, for example, is is designed for the average male hand. Um, Symptoms that doctors are taught to recognize for different issues are often based on the, the symptoms that men present. They might be quite different, like heart attacks, for example, the symptoms for men and women can be very, very different. So a lot of Um, heart attacks in women can go undiagnosed um, until it's too late because the doctors aren't recognizing the symptoms um, quickly enough. And things like doses of medication um, and the way services work, the way um, seatbelts and things are designed in cars and airbags, all of these things, which actually, you know, some of them are just little irritations, like, you know, a shelf height might be too high for the average height of woman or something like this. I mean, it's annoying, but it's not going to, to be a major issue. But some of these things are actually affecting survival, affecting, you know, everyday quality of life. And those kind of things are, are really ones that we need to recognize and address. So this book is, uh, like I said, I'm just a little way into it, but already it's just got me really, really thinking. So I think anyone, whether you're working in the service industry or, um, you know, making products or just at home and, and you know, the, the 
conversations we're having with our friends and family, this is a really, really enlightening read. So highly yeah. recommend it. Awesome. And that reminds me, like going back to preparedness for disaster. Yes. Uh, some women in, in the Twitter mm -hmm. feed were saying, of course, don't forget your feminine hygiene products. Mm. Um, that's often overlooked, but something you'd necessarily Absolutely. need if yeah. you're in a shelter, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, in terms of gender equality and uh, a funny, on a lighter note, I follow Gaijin Mommy. She is so talented on Twitter. She makes these little videos and this mm -hmm. uh, Melanie Brock would appreciate this. An entire mantle, a whole group of men talking about women's issues. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was in the news. And so she makes these funny uh, short videos from Lego usually or with uh, speech bubbles yeah and uh, definitely the lighter side of these more serious issues yeah so definitely check out Gaijin mommy she's a talented <laughs> that looks fun I mean we need the lighter side as well to, to get we people's do. attention sometimes, right? well, sense of humor is part of resilience right yes. so yeah. we need that as well that's brilliant yeah well that is our 30 minutes thank you so much Tova thank you everybody for joining and see you again next month with more short takes, right? Brilliant. Yep. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Awesome. Have a great day, everyone. Don't ever change
just the way you are. So if we're a little strange, it's all working out so far.